Yeah. Bills Mafia. Don Brown. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey. Who you repping? What's your team? Who you repping? What's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that talent on my team. Like a high Jordan boy, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, do not catch it. Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of the Crowd Assist Podcast presented by Trainwreck Sports. As always, Wake here with Meerkat, Kevin Masari, Sarah, sorry, I didn't, nope, Sari, Sari, not, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I get in my head about that, I psych myself out a little bit. Got Mark Schofield here, that's Pulpit, USA Today talking quarterbacks as well. Got a lot to get to, but first, got to remind you guys we are sponsored by our good friends at Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? George Irvin Boulevard. In Depew, Loganberry, Seltzers, Wine, Spirits, Tequila, anything you need for Bill's season. We got a preseason home game this weekend. So make sure you get there. The place to buy a case. And all the games in the regular season. And during the regular season, obviously, we'll be seeing the Patriots twice. So we had to get Mark Schofield on here uh, for one last time before the season starts. Obviously, first, Mark. Thank you for being here. And let me be the first one to congratulate you based on Mac Jones' practice today on his future induction into the NFL Hall of Fame. He's are, wait, they've already sized him up for a gold jacket. We've got sculptors oh, working on the boss. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's the era of unbridled optimism now in New England. Now, guys, it, it's it's great to be back. I know we're gonna talk about Mac, so you know, we can dive right into it if you want. But it does look like that door has been opened for Mac Jones to now be a potential week one starting quarterback. Obviously, there's still time for that decision to be made. But this quarterback sort of battle has taken an interesting turn in the past, say, 24, 48 hours. Yeah. And part of that is because of what's going on with Cam Newton, too. So maybe talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, talk about how Mac has looked overall. Because, you know, I feel like in the first preseason game, a lot of people's first impression of him, it looked like he was running a, a vanilla Patriots offense, get the ball out quick, be efficient, don't make a mistake. Uh, what have we? What have you seen, you know, behind the scenes that maybe people outside of New England might not have seen? Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's looked solid. I mean, he's made mistakes at times, and he'd be the first to tell you that. Josh McDaniels would be the first to tell you that as well. You know, there's going to be a learning curve. What he's seen so far, both in the offense that they've called for him, has, like you said, Wake, been a little bit vanilla. He's also seen some vanilla looks on the defensive side of the ball sure. as well from whether it was Washington, although they did get him early, into that game early, the first preseason game, to try to get him against some ones and twos rather than threes and fours. He saw mostly threes and fours against Philadelphia. They pretty much sat their starters last week. So, you know, we'll see how it looks this weekend. And also we'll keep an eye on the joint practices too because they're joint practices right now with the Giants. And so you're seeing now with Cam sideline due to the COVID protocols, now Mac is your – number one guy in practice and so he's getting run with the ones against the Giants ones and so this is an opportunity for him to sort of take that job he's looked good in those moments he's looked good both in practice at times and in the stuff that they've asked him to run they've put it up put him in some situations they've had to manufacture some scenarios for him both against Washington against Philadelphia they opened up in the second half with him running the two minute because they wanted him to get some experience running that and when they did that against Washington that made me think it was more of a quarterback battle than maybe they were letting on when they wanted to see him in that scenario when they wanted to manufacture some game type settings for him that made me think that look you know Maybe they're really trying to give this guy a true look. So mm -hmm. the door's open now. I thought Cam had looked pretty good, too. I thought Cam looked really good Thursday night against Philadelphia. It looked about as comfortable as perhaps we've seen him in New England's offense, in the huddle, in the pocket. He looked calm, comfortable, worked through reads, made good decisions. So, you know, if you were to ask me Friday morning, who's their week one starter, I would have said, yeah, it's still Cam. The question might be how long does he hold on to that job now? With Cam's situation, if Matt continues, he reportedly had a very good practice today against the Giants. If that continues, what was I thought maybe 80-20 is now much more of a toss-up. Yeah, and you know, obviously a lot of new faces outside of just Mac Jones on the offense. New receivers, two new tight ends. Ramondre Stevenson's a guy making a lot of noise in the preseason. Yeah. Like, you know, this is a very new look New England Patriots offense, new look team 
to be completely honest. So, you know, what is how is Mac Jones maybe set up for success as a rookie based on the guys they brought in? Um, did they do you think they did a good job of building around him for his rookie year? Yeah, I mean, look, they built an offense that was designed, regardless of who the quarterback was, to run the football and to throw play action off of that. And so whether it was Cam Newton, whether it was Mac Jones, like that's what they were going to do offensively. And so, you know, regardless of who wins the start of job, this is a team that's set up to run the football, to throw off of play action looks as a result, to be very much, I'd say, almost the early Tom Brady offense, right? If you think back to – I thought know, that's the first thing I thought in the first preseason game is that he looks like Tom Brady back there, not like a Hall of Famer, but like he's just running that, that same style of offense. Yeah, and look, I, I think you watch, you know, what they've done so far – you wake, you know, I think it's exactly right. Like they want to minimize what the quarterback has to do. They want to win with the defense, win ball control, win run game, play action, and things like that. Now, look, does a team like that, a team structured like that, can it really be competitive in today's NFL? This is in 2003, 2004, when the game was tilted towards defenses, yeah. when you had the non-contact rules and the pass interference rules and things like that. It's a different era. You know, can teams win 17, 14 rock fights consistently? That's a question that we might see answered from New England and maybe a couple of other teams this year. But that's how they're built to run, regardless of Mac or Cam. Now, look, they're excited, I will tell you guys, about 21 of 22 positions. It's just that the 22nd position happens to be quarterback in a quarterback-driven <laughs> league, in a quarterback-driven era. Like, they like what they have in place around the quarterback position. Do they think between Cam and Mac, what they've seen so far, it'll be better than last year at the quarterback position? I think they think so, um, but that still remains to be seen. Judging off of stuff against vanilla defenses, vanilla looks, threes and fours, maybe it's hard to say that definitively. But they feel pretty good about the rest of the roster. It's – Mac Jones, Cam Newton, do they will they get consistent quarterback play like they need? Yeah, Mark. And if you look at the roster, I mean, you just saw Sonny Michelle just get traded to the Rams for a fifth and a sixth. Um, I mean, fairly decent value both ways, probably. Both yeah. teams will probably tell you that was fine. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can't. I mean, obviously they wouldn't have done it, but I would have liked the Bills to be involved in that with what, what I think their running back situation is right now. But um, how do you feel about that? Do you what? What is the reasoning for that? Do you think that it's a Ramondre Stevenson thing, uh, Damian Harris? You know, what exactly did that mean? And was he just out of favor? Was it just kind of a Bill Belichick? What What does that mean for the offensive roster? And what? How does that affect? as we talk about the quarterback. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, I, I think it's a situation where they had a surplus at the position, you know, that they really like, obviously Damian Harris. There's a reason why everybody's looking at Damian Harris as if you're going to say there's a running back one in new England, that would be the guy. Even if Sony Michelle made this team, Damian Harris seemed to be sort of asserted himself as the guy coming out of Alabama. And I know we've talked about this before when I've been on with you guys, they like what he could do in pass protection. They like what he can do as a receiver. It was really interesting. If you watch that Thursday night game, and if you've seen new England this season, this preseason, they tried to get Sony Michelle involved more in the passing game, which is something they haven't done. And that was a sign that, Hey, we're not doing this for us. Like, we're showing other the other 31 teams like this guy could be a receiver out of the backfield. Hey, if you need a running back that can catch, like he can do it. And, and so I, I think that was sort of kind of a Michelle so showcase in a sense. We know what James Wright is White is going to be for this team. He's going to be their receiving back. He's going to be somebody that you'll see in two running back passes packages where you might flex him out wide. We know what James White brings to the table. I don't need to rehash that stuff. But Kevin, you mentioned Ramondre Stevenson. There is a lot of excitement about him. And there were a lot of Patriots fans that thought, or people covering the team that thought he might get the sort of Foxborough flu, redshirt season. But now with Michelle moved to the Rams, you might see more of him. And where I think he comes into play is short yardage situations for New England. First and goal from the four situations for New England. Past couple of years, even when Tom Brady was in New England, Patriots would get first and goal at the six, and you're like, all right, when does Gostowski come onto the field? Because they can't get the ball into the red zone. They can't convert in short yardage situations. They didn't have the guy they could just hand it to and get you three yards when you needed three yards. Stevenson can give them that. 
but he also moves extremely well for somebody of his size. He has very good footwork. He had a long touchdown run against Washington. If you watch him in Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley loved to get him involved as a receiver out of the backfield. They can do some different things with him. I'm excited about some potential Stevenson White 21 or 20 personnel packages, some creative things they could do with the two of them. And so I, I think this is a nod to Stevenson and how they've been impressed by him. They feel that they don't need to redshirt him. Foxborough flew him. They can give him run now as a contributor as a rookie. So I, I think it's a, it speaks to Kevin the fact that they had bodies at the position. They felt that look they could acquire something. The other thing to keep in mind is this: the the fine minds over at the draft network, Bills fans. You guys don't have to worry about the draft until draft. <laughs> those days are gone for you yeah. guys. But they released their top 100 on Monday night, and I was talking to Kyle Krabs about it. He said, look, right now, and obviously it's early, this seems like it's not a very great class at the top, but it's deep. There's going to be value on day two and day three. And if the NFL feels that way, if the Patriots feel that way, then get in a fourth rounder. That might turn into something, say, next April, next May in this next draft class. It's so just something to keep in mind. It's very early. It may end up flipped where it's top heavy and the depth is thin, but right now maybe the league feels that way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, nope. Go ahead, Kevin. No, I was just going to say it's a pretty obvious situation to where New England seems to always have really good running back play. Um, and I'm really interested to see where that unit goes from here. And, um, I I had, I had some, I always never liked to see Sonny Michelle line up on the other side. I don't know why I never liked he was crazy. Uh, I I always thought he could though. And right. he had some good games against the Bills in, in his yeah. New York or yes. in his New England tenure. Yes, you know, his rookie year, that late season game, the year that they went on to win the yeah. Super Bowl. I mean, a, a lot of people have already said, you know, this is the world we live in. Everything's done in 280 characters and everything's done in the moment. Yes. And so there's already people saying that, look, this was a bust in New England. It was a bad draft pick. And, you know, maybe you can make that case. You could look a couple picks later and see Nick Chubb. You could look one pick later and see Lamar Jackson and say, hey, you know, <laughs> hindsight being what it is, how would New England's Poor offense? look right now if either one of those guys were in New England and you can certainly do that um but you also look at the end of his rookie season right when it when Brady was dinged up and it was obvious they struggled to throw the ball I remember that game against Buffalo late season they couldn't throw the ball but they had a consistent run game with Sony Michelle behind James Devlin score six touchdowns down the stretch the lone touchdown in Super Bowl 53 is that enough to warrant pick 31 overall maybe maybe not um you know, but I'll, I'll I'll leave that to others. You know, I, I think the fact that they got something in return, that Michelle was dinged up at times. They added a fourth-round pick. He did have some moments. He did have some moments against Buffalo. I understand why there might be some excitement that he's now in the NFC West rather than behind, you know, Mac Jones or Cam Newton. I understand that. Um, whether he was a good pick or a bust, I'll leave that up to others. <laughs> You know, Meerkat and I do the train wreck fantasy stuff over here. So obviously, you know, it's just from a okay. fantasy perspective. Please don't ask me this question. Please <laughs> not, don't ask me this not question. Ask about fantasy I don't rankings. know. Not I do don't know that. who the go-to running back is in New England. Not, believe that's that. not because they were saying it, it, at the beginning of camp, they did say like, you know, Damian Harris could be the workhorse back. That's what he looked like. But not even just in terms of RB1. Like there are just a lot of faces, a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. Is there any one guy you think that this offense could really run through, or is it really just going to be a play the matchups game by game kind of thing? I mean, you, you know, you guys, you know, Wake and Meerkat, the fact that you guys do this fantasy stuff, but you also have a Buffalo Bills eye on the Patriots. You know that they love to go week by week, matchup by matchup, situation by situation, generally speaking. But Jacoby Myers, Jacoby Myers, if you're going to say, look, you know, it's late of a redraft or you've got an opportunity to acquire him perhaps in Dynasty, you might want to keep an eye on Jacoby Myers because he's consistently getting open. We've seen that all throughout camp. We've seen that in the two preseason games. We saw that today, seeing some of the practice footage where he's consistently getting open against Giants receivers. He has a good relationship both with Cam and with Mac. You know, whether it's Cam under center or Mac under center, they feel comfortable targeting Jacoby Myers in game, in practice, seven on seven and all that stuff. So if you're in a situation where you can, you know, draft roster Jacoby Myers, I think that's something that's worthwhile. I'm not saying he's like one of the best receivers in the game. I'm not saying he's <laughs> the best receiver on the team, but he has an ability to get open and he has that quarterback background, right? Where he played quarterback coming up, 
He was recruited as a quarterback at NC State. He knows what it means on the other end of throws, how to get open, how timing and rhythm and all that stuff plays into offensive play structure. And so, you know, Aguilar is going to get some catches. We know when healthy, John O. Smith, Hunter Henry are going to be a big factor. But as far as like one player to sort of keep an eye on, Jacoby Myers might be that guy. It's interesting. Definitely interesting. We spent a lot of time on the offense and we got to until about 530. Uh, so, Meerkat, did you have something to add in there? Yeah, no, Mark, I just bouncing off a receiver there. I had a question about just what you think is going to be happening with Nikhil Harry. I mean, he's a guy pretty touted coming out of college. He took the, him in the last pick of the first round. I, I was jealous of the pick. I'm not going to lie. He was someone I was going to be afraid of facing twice this season, I thought. And then his usage, little team issues here and there, his agent at the beginning of the offseason requesting the trade, then, you know, going into camp fine. Now he has the shoulder injury. What do you think his future is going to be? Are they going to try to keep him on this roster still and maybe manipulate the new IR rules to keep him on it? Or are they just going to cut him if they can't find a trade partner since they haven't already? Yeah, I mean, Mick, I think they're going to find a way to keep him on the roster. And something that I keep in the back of my mind is the fact that Henry's dinged up right now. Smith, you know, you might have injury concerns at some point. I know they want to run the two tight end offense. If you're in a situation where 12 personnel two tight ends has to become like 11 with a big slot type receiver, that's Nikhil Harry. That's a role that he could perhaps fill. You know, and, and what's the market for a guy that's requested a trade, has never quite fit in, and now is dinged up? Like it might be hard to move him. Like what would yeah. you generally speak and, you know, give up? in a trade to acquire Nikhil Harry right now as another organization. Even if you're really thinner receiver, you might say, here's a conditional sixth. Like, I mean, and would New England, you know, move a f former first-round pick for that? Maybe not. Although maybe Sony Michelle, that news makes you think about it a little bit differently. But to your question, I think they find a way to keep him. I think they, they find ways to get him involved. You know, his tenure in New England so far is a great example that the Brady circle of trust is a real thing. You know, you want to see when the Nikhil Harry situation went south, go back to a certain Sunday night game down in Houston when Nikhil Harry didn't quite fight for the football on a slant route and got a pick and almost picked sixth. And then he was sort of persona non grata in the Tom Brady New England Patriots offense. The Tom Brady circle of trust is real. You know, both Newton has gassed him up a lot. You know, Mac Jones has targeted him sometimes. He got hurt on a throw for Mac Jones. And so, you know, both quarterbacks now seem to trust him. Does the coaching staff trust him to an extent? That's probably still remains to be seen. Someone who I definitely think has earned the trust, trust of the coaches so far in his first offseason with the Patriots is Matthew Judon. I am terrified personally mm -hmm. uh, of just the idea of playing him only 12, two times a year. That alone is too many times. Uh, so, you know, just the Patriots defense, it's always going to be a tough unit when it's coached by Bill Belichick. You know, additions of Judon. Uh, I, I hear corner depth, cornerback depth might be a question. So, you know, yeah. if you're, if you, you know, one strength and one weakness of the Patriots defense go. Yeah. I mean, I think right now the strength is the defensive front. And June on that acquisition is certainly a big part of that. Getting Dante Hightower back is also part of that because Hightower, in addition to what he means to that defense from calls, from being basically a coach on the field, to the situational blitzes, the stuff they do with them both in the A gap and off the edge, you know, they will have some packages where you've got overload looks or Judon to one side, Hightower to another, Van Noy back. They like doing some stuff with him in the past, Russian scheme. The emergence of Christian Barmore, who they traded up for in the yeah. second round. You know, I, I wouldn't I guys, yeah, I said before the draft, I would not have been surprised if he was the pick at 15. You know, they got him in the yeah. 30s, but that was I a had him going mid 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was he's a, a, he's a force. He's a force. Meerkat. And you look, it was a thin position group, and he was arguably or other inarguably the best guy at that position. It's just a Belichick yep. style mm -hmm. move, the marketed efficiency. When he's been healthy, he's impressed. He's got run with the ones. And so the defensive front, I think overall, Josh Uche, Chase Winovich, they, they like what they have up front. But wait, you mentioned cornerback depth, right? Now, you look at the roster on paper, Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, that's a pretty solid one-two at corner. Definitely. Gilmore's been out. J.C. Jackson now has to slide into the one. We haven't seen Jonathan Jones. Jawan Williams has struggled at times. Michael Jackson, who they acquired at a trade, has struggled at times. Jaden Mills has been up and down. You watch that game against the Eagles. Devonta Smith's open all the time. I mean, he's open left and right against Williams, against Jackson. You know, maybe throws weren't completed, but that's a factor, I think, more of him and Flacco not being on the same page. So up front, defensively, they like what they have. 
Cornerback depth, though, that's a question mark right now. Now, maybe Gilmore would come back. J.C. Jackson slides to corner 1B, and it goes from there, and it gets a little bit better. But right now, secondary depth, particularly cornerback depth, is an issue. Yeah, it's interesting. How about Ronnie Perkins? I mean, he was a guy I kind of like coming out third round. Anything yeah. there? Is, is he kind of just kind of buried with yeah. the other names there? He's, you know, Kevin, I, I was kind of intrigued by him. I liked it as a selection when they drafted him. You know, there's depth up front, so it's a numbers game. You know, yep. but it wouldn't surprise me if they find a way to sort of squeeze him on the roster because we all know Bill Belichick. Look, when you compare pass rush with coverage, like that's what he wants to build. He's somebody that can, you can carve out a situational role for. But it might be a tough numbers game, and it might decide like you know if they keep one more offensive lineman, Perkins might be sort of in, in a tough spot. Maybe he's your Foxborough flu IR type candidate. Um, but he's had some flashes, Kevin. You know, don't get me wrong. It's just. They've got a deep group up front with a lot of guys and maybe not enough slots for them all. Yeah, for sure. What's a name we should be like looking out for as, you know, watching the Patriots, something you've seen covered young, you know, young player, maybe not as an offensive lineman. You know, everyone knows who Stefan Gilmore is, but yeah. um, Kyle Duggar, Kyle Duggar. Okay. Um, Kyle and, Duggar. And he, he was yeah. in a yeah. fantastic situation last year because we expected it to be a caddy season for him behind Patrick Chun. But when Chun opts out, he has to play. And you expect, look, you know, athletic but raw, used mostly as a block safety at Division II Lenore Ryan. Like, that's how they'll try to use him. They used him as a half-field safety, as a single high safety. And, you know, watch that game against the Eagles. Watch him in the red zone read Joe Flacco as a single high safety and break up a slot fade, which could have been a touchdown if he didn't read that play perfectly. They really trust this kid. They look at him as like he could be, you know, Devin McCourty on first down. And he could be Patrick Chun on second down. He could be a hybrid linebacker on third down. They're using him in a bunch of different ways. He told us at the start of camp, look, you know, I, I didn't have a good year last year. I thought he was way too hard on himself given the situation he was thrust into. I think he's going to be a big factor for them, not just this season, the different ways they can use him, but maybe that Devin McCourty replacement down the road. Yeah, if you get that kind of play out of Kyle Duggar, that would be that would kind of be the cherry on the Sunday on a healthy the trendy Patriots guy here team. in Buffalo too. He was a guy yeah. that was really talked about for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look back at his draft cycle when we saw him down at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. Him and Jeremy yeah. Chin, it was like, whoa, these two kids can <laughs> really play these two small school safeties. Then they both go to the combine. It's like, all right, you're not getting these guys in the third round. Like you're gonna have to get them in the second. We saw the Patriots do, you know, with you know, with Kyle Duggar in the second, Jeremy Chin in the second. Like, those two kids you knew down at Mobile. Yeah, you're going to have to draft these guys early. <laughs> and so overall outlook for, like, this season. Like, you know, what's win totals? You know, you, you don't have to give your record prediction, but just like yeah, I mean, a, look, a standard goal. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think – from a Patriots fan's perspective, like they should be competitive in the division. Do I think they could win the division? Yeah, it's going to take a lot to break their way. Do I think they're the favorites of the division? Absolutely not. Like I, I still look at Buffalo, everything they're bringing back, the growth and development of Josh Allen. Like I still look at the Buffalo Bills like, yeah, that's the team to beat in the division with good reason. I look at Miami and look, Tua looks better. That's a team that just missed out on the playoffs last year. Like these are three teams that should be competitive. I do think it's Buffalo in their division to win. Um, I think the Patriots should contend for a playoff spot. Do I anticipate them like making some deep run into the playoffs and some magical, you know, Brady and 0102 type of run? No, I I can't say that with any certainty. Absolutely not. It would take a miracle. It would take a lot of things to go wrong and a couple of other cities for that to happen. But I do think that look. With the additions that they made, with the money they spent, they should be competitive this year. They should contend for a, a wild card spot this year. Um, you know, maybe they catch fire down the stretch. Who knows? But looking at Miami, looking at Buffalo, heck, looking at the Jets, Zach Wilson's looked pretty good. Like this is going to be a tough division, potentially a tough division for a couple of years to come. Yeah, that's the fun part about it is that this division is starting to look like it could shape up like a, like an NFC West almost from yeah. a few years yeah. ago. Even from this this year, to be completely honest, those could be two fun divisions to watch. Uh, you know, I obviously you don't just cover the Pats. 
you do look at young quarterbacks, all quarterbacks, really. So, you know, we already talked to Mac Jones, obviously, you know, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, all these other quarterbacks that are going into their first years. Uh, who do you think maybe could be – is there a shocker you think that could be rookie of the year? Or is Trevor Lawrence, in your eyes, like the clear, you know, this is the guy this year? Depends how soon Trey Lance starts. I mean, if Lance starts like week one, week two, week three, like he's in a really good environment. And you heard before the draft when all the rumblings was, you know, they traded up to three to get Mac Jones. Like, oh, my goodness. You know, a lot of people said, like, maybe it's not Mac Jones. Maybe it's Trey Lance. Maybe it's Justin Fields. Who knows? But whoever ends up in San Francisco is going to have the best career out of all five of these quarterbacks because Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, that offense, yeah, that system, honestly. like whether it's Jones, whether it's Fields, whether it's Lance, whether it's Kevin, like you're in a position yeah. to be extremely successful. Lance is now in that system and what's also working for him. And the playbook's almost similar to what he was running at North Dakota state. Like he's very familiar with it. You can see it, how he's running it, how he's moving defenders with his eyes. You know, I did a video breakdown of his game against the chargers and he's manipulated underneath defenders, single high safeties, all that stuff. Yeah. The, he was five of 14 in the first game. Like he's had, you know, some struggles with completion percentage and things like that. But I think whenever he takes over, if it's early, he might be the guy that could sort of catch fire, give you that like Justin Herbert from a season ago or, you know, whatever other rookie quarterback you want to look at. He's in a very good position to be successful early. All right. Well, go Meerkat. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, I I like Trey Lance Lance there. It's definitely interesting. It just depends if they give him the shot right off the bat because it still seems like it's Jimmy G, which confuses me. It's, it's, we I saw get it, today, but I right? don't. You know? We saw yeah. it today, right? Well, they had the media sessions, and Shanahan's got the smile. Like, yeah, I think I know who the starter is, and Garoppolo's got the smile. Now, look, Jimmy <laughs> G's a very handsome man. We could all say that. Yeah. Maybe he's oh. a good actor, too. Maybe oh, he's a yeah. good actor, too. And so he's just smiling, but he knows it's going to be God, Lance. Yeah. But it does seem like, look, they're, they're leaning towards you know Jimmy G to start. How long does he hold on to it, though? Maybe that's the bigger question. And then, yeah, I mean, so... Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Meerkat. No, finish it up. I I was just going to say, so we see how this is being handled, but it almost makes sense because obviously Lance is exciting stuff, but some people see him, you know, might need a little bit more time to adjust the NFL. But then a guy like Justin Fields, is that just Matt Nagy being Matt Nagy? Like, what is going on there? Is it because, you know, they told Dalton he was going to be the starter when they signed him? Is it a respect to him thing? Or is it just another Nagy and Ryan Pace move there? Maybe. I mean, the the only thing I can think of, guys, is – do you want to start Justin Fields on the road at the Rams against Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald? Like, yeah. is that your hesitation? At some point, though, the kid's going to have to play against good players. Like, and if it's week one, week two, week four, whatever, you're going to have to face some guys on the other side of the ball that are pretty good at it. Now, now maybe they just think, look, you know, we'll let Dalton have this and we'll just we'll get him into the Raws to start a lot of week two, week three, week four. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. If it were me. I'd start Justin Fields. Like, I, I think yeah. he's ready. I, I think yeah. he's ready. But I'm just a dude sitting in his basement, you know, drinking some Sunkiss Zero. You know, I'm not that naggy. So, yeah. So. He, 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 he looked struggling to me. I mean, against the Bills, second team. I mean, really, I, I didn't love what I saw from him in that game. I, I liked the the pocket mobility, um, kind of bailed out a little bit. The Bills let him do it. They were like, you know, we're kind of playing our defense. We don't care if he runs for yeah. 15 I mean, there's, there's certainly some hesitation. I can understand yeah. why from like a pocket management, from a protection standpoint. Like, look, we all saw him get ear hold. Like, you're going to yeah. figure that stuff out for each snap. Like, do is right down the line of scrimmage capped by a safety. Like you got to know that blitz is coming. You got to change yep. those up. And so maybe they feel like from a protection standpoint, yep. if he's not there from a pass protection, identification, a blitz situation, exactly. Aaron Donald is not the guy to try to figure that out against in week one. Like, you know, cause they're going to throw some <laughs> yeah. things at you. So, you know, maybe that's the reason in there, but you know, if it were me, look, he's going to have to play Aaron Donald to the world at some point. Might as well get it over, over early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was he was missing some red zone throws too. And I think we we gotta before we let you go, we gotta ask you about our friends over in, in New York, um, and you know their quarterback situation. I know their de- defense just took big hits, losing like their entire front seven. Yeah. Um, and the DB uh, too, like last yeah, week. Yeah, just <laughs> we'll see what happens on the defensive side. But Zach Wilson, I mean, he was a guy I wasn't super, you know, thrilled with. I would have gone in many different ways, including the guys we've already the other two guys we've talked about. Um, great for for the division um but you know people said that about josh allen too so i mean at the end of the day you know he had a good preseason game 
Um, what do you think about him? I mean, is it someone yeah, you're going to expect to see I, stuff from this season? I, I wasn't necessarily high on, on Wilson either. Um, you know, I had him third behind, you know, Lawrence and then Fields, but I think he's in a good situation schematically, you know, similar offensive conceptually to what he was doing last year at BYU. I think, look, you know, he's looked good in the limited action, you know, pretty good against the Giants with just a couple of drives, looked good against the Packers again, backups, just a couple of drives. I, I do think they're set up for longer term success. I, I like what they're building with Elijah Moore. You know, I, I like what they kind of have in place with Michael Carter, but I, I think it's a it's a you know two to three year plan with the Jets rather than say Miami and arguably New England with the money that they've spent and certainly the Bills coming off an AFC championship game appearance. But I do think look my evaluation of Wilson is what it is, but he's looked pretty good right now. He looks like he has the potential to outplay the evaluation. I think Jets fans are hoping that he does. Um, and we'll just see where it goes from there. Well, Mark, uh, this is not, there's no more where it'll go from here. Uh, this is going to be the end of the line for us today. So thank you for, uh, for coming on the crowd podcast today. Remind everyone if they want a taste of, you know, some Patriots action, where can they find your work? Well, guys, always a blast to come on. Thanks for having me at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Um, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Scotia at Pat's Pulp and QB Factory reboot over at Bleeding Green Nation with the incredibly talented Rachel Perfett. Um, but on Twitter at Mark Schofield, uh, you can check me out, the social media stuff, the Stake Map, whatever you call the burnout. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And they won't understand this reference, anyone listening, but uh, you know, c- congrats on protecting your house from that vicious mouse that you had to take care of before you got on here. Yeah, and thank was, you for, for protecting the mouse population by releasing it. Yeah, you know, look, you know, it's, it's a catch and release house here. That's all I'm going to say. It's a catch and release house. <laughs> oh, well, we won't, you know, Greg Russo won't be releasing Mac Jones in the backfield anytime, but I love the, love the optimism here. <laughs> Thanks so there much, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks as always, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Mark Schofield, Pat's Pulpit, and USA Today. Always a fantastic guest when we were able to get him on. Uh, But now you're stuck with just us three for the remainder of the show. We got about 15, 20 minutes left. So obviously, we're going to talk about the 53 man roster, cutdowns looming by next Tuesday. But we do have a preseason game ahead of then. Uh, You know, obviously, big news today is the Bills signing Steven Sims formerly of the Washington football team. Uh, And Kevin, you know, this is obviously an Isaiah McKenzie replacement plan for the time being, right? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it seems like it. And maybe even a Stevenson replacement to the replacement. um, Replacement, assistant to the assistant regional manager um, (laughs) is what it seems like in this case because – he, that's what he does. He returns kicks. He brought one to the house a couple of years ago. I remember, yeah. um, you know, he kind of has a little bit of everything. He's a burner, um, is in that mold, does muff pond. He kind of similar to when Isaiah McKenzie got waived in Denver, um, for some of those issues. And that's kind of what you see in Sims. I don't think they sign Sims here guys with the idea that he's not going to make the roster. So it's really challenging. Now. It really yeah. does kind of put some stuff. Everyone's like, Oh, he's a camp fodder. Nah, I don't believe that. I don't believe he's the type of player that's camp fodder. At the very worst, he's number one practice squad receiver at the very, very worst if he clears waivers because clearly he was wanted, you know, a day after getting caught, the Bills called him up and said, come play here. He's not going to sign here if the Bills are like, well, we might have a spot at some point. He's going to be like, I need to get into a team, Benny, and a receiver needy team. I'm going to Buffalo because, you know, looking good to make the roster on a really high powerful offense. So it isn't looking great, guys, for um, some of those names, those back-end roster guys. Kumaro is going to waltz onto the roster just out of pure – skill set of what he does and health exactly Um, health is yeah no kumaro earned the spot earlier and now he's keeping it based on his just availability which is right and we know we know beasley will be back and we know that gabe davis will be back but Mm -hmm. i mean he's the third receiver right now in kumaro i mean as Uh of this minute so yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it helps i mean does he get the rest this weekend i don't know he can't because there's not enough receivers yeah, um, I thought Brandon Bean might be like flexing his muscles a little bit with you know this all this Kumaro stuff, maybe trying to like work a trade, like trading him out of Buffalo. He can't uh, anymore. Now he doesn't have that option. So no. I, I don't doubt that he was thinking it before. Um, but you know, staying on the news of Steven Sims signing with the Bills Meerkat, are you are you at all nervous about a drop off from McKenzie? Or you know, I remember last time when I was talking or last year when I was tweeting about McKenzie, I called him an elite Swiss Army knife, and someone told me that was a bit of an oxymoron so uh and they might be right so are you if mckenzie misses the first four weeks of the season and we see sims instead how worried are you on a scale of one to ten 
I'm not worried about it. I, I, you know, I, I've been pretty adamant on the fact that I love Isaiah. He's a great presence in the locker room. He's done a ton for us and a great gadget guy to have, but he's not a priority guy on this team. Like, let's no. be real. Like half of his stats last year, which, you know, aren't that prevalent are from one game. And he, he's a cool guy to bring in, you know, give him the ball three times a game, maybe if it's either a pass or out of the backfield or something. I don't think he's a vital part of this team. And, I don't think the Bills think that either. You saw the deal they brought him back on. They dragged yeah. their feet bringing him back and then gave him, like, nothing. So, like, I I think, like, I don't think it matters. I think this is exactly why Steven Sims was brought in. He's a guy who fills a very similar role. He's not as shorthanded as at McKenzie, which is a little concerning out of maybe, like, a return guy if that's where they're looking at him for. But um, he's definitely athletic. He's fast. He, you know, has a myriad of plays. So on the train wreck Instagram, the one we posted today, he, he took, like, a 70-yard handoff out of the backfield for a touchdown against the Patriots. Like, he can do it all, return, catch, run it. Um, is speedster, I think he can just easily fill in McKenzie's role because it's not that big of a role. Now, if he muffs a punt week one or something, you know, he's yeah. returning back yeah. there and he muffs a punt, I'll, I'll be upset. But who's to say, you know, McKenzie's not going to because we are learning already already seen that. So, yeah, uh, exactly. Has. So, exactly. Uh, as far as being concerned about McKenzie being injured or, you know, Stim, Sims, I'm going to call him Stims, Steven Sims, it just works. If <laughs> Stims, you know, shows out and camp i assume we're gonna see him in the next preseason game even though he's just getting the playbook and stuff uh then yeah i'm not worried about it he's proven it Uh, just mistakes are what cost him in washington dropping balls and stuff and plus they have a good receiving course so we'll we'll see what the future holds up worried about it yeah six fumbles three uh three that he recovered himself so yeah uh, okay. does have a does have a little bit of that issues but guys remember he's young he's not yeah kind of feels like steven sims may be in the league like because he just kind of if you play fantasy or you're just kind of watching it's only 20 he you know i mean he's only 23 in his last year season so he's 24 oh, wow. years old yeah and there's um, a player on the same team with the same last name so i feel like charles sims and him just get mixed up all the time Honestly, yeah, he just <laughs> turned 24 this season. Um, yeah. I mean, he's young. It was like when the Bills claimed McKenzie and everyone's like, yeah, he's not making the right. Like, who's this guy? He's going to like return one punt. Um, mm-hmm. And then they developed him. He doesn't need to play, you know, a huge role with three great receivers in front of him and then Gabe Davis. Um, so, you know, quite frankly, it's not like a huge deal to me because he is the fifth receiver. Um, you know, even if, he, if, if he's above Kumaro, I don't probably not, probably not true today. He's on the depth chart. And just, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, I think Kumaro exactly. would catch more balls than him. In, yeah. You know, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they're fifth and sixth probably- right there. Yeah, we'll probably see a lot of Sims on return duties this this weekend, you know, mostly. I'm sure they'll work them into the offense a little bit, but maybe also they try to raise the value of some of the guys they have in-house and maybe work off a trade because I know a trade is coming. Brandon Bean is making at least one trade before cutdowns happen uh, just because that's the way he does it, and this team is too good to not have people. It's a DN, too. I mean, it's a DN. It's, it is. It's probably at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, comments by Leslie Frazier today have me thinking that maybe it's not Vernon Butler, like a lot of us has been thinking. He says that, you know, they have high plan. And this could be them just trying to sell it to the media so that the media can sell it to the rest of the league. Um, so take yep. everything that coaches say with a grain of salt. But they're saying they have a lot of big plans for him, that he's looked spectacular, that he's completely changed his philosophy of how he approaches practices. Like these are things that you don't go out of your way to say unless there's a reason for it. So I feel like they actually do plan on keeping Vernon Butler here for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he is not the one on the D line, that's being any traded. Money, though. Yeah. You can't cut him. It's, it doesn't make sense to cut him and you're not going to be able to trade him. Yeah. It's yeah. just, he's on the team. He's one of those, he's, he's like team. a, like a Tyler, uh, not a Tyler Croft. What am I saying? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, but, like, 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 like an AJ Klein or a Ty- Tyler Mac. Medikevich, I can never say. His well, name. he's like Croft in the fact that they kept him last year at a fairly decent salary cap number. Yeah, Same thing with Trent Murphy. It's not like we're crazily overpaying. It would just be a stupid move. It would, it would, yeah, it right. wouldn't be a good move to cut him. You know, financially, not that it's the worst to cut him. It, there's just really no point him. in cutting him, and he's a good player. He's like, a free he's player. A player. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a free, free player. player because you have to keep someone at 750k. You know, whoever that is, exactly. and then you're paying him anyways. You're not going to cut Vernon Butler. 
trade maybe because then you can compare the asset exactly, and you get the yeah. asset out of it, which would, it wouldn't be much. So at, at that cap level too, and you don't save any extra money trading him like you would with other players. There's mm-hmm. He's on the roster. They're going to sell him. And I think that the theory is that you can sell another defensive lineman, Justin Zimmers of the world. I mean, maybe another guy where you can come in and bring in a fifth round pick, sixth round pick. Um, so I think that's what they do. That's the move they make. They can't no longer do it at the receiver position to me because of the injury with Stevenson, you know, Isaiah Hodgins, is he playing? That's an interesting one. Like, does any, Anyone yeah. know the the recap on Hodgins? Is he supposed to go? I heard he was, but I didn't know if that's true. I, I think they're going to try to force him because they want to see him. I don't think Why he's going to be full bore. I, uh, yeah. uh, but like, yeah, like they want to see him because I think, like, you know, it's not just me being a Hodgins stand right now. Like, no, this I is a guy they they yeah, want on. They want him to show why he deserves to be on the roster. They think he has everything to do it. He's flashed here and there. Last year, incredible camp practices when he was healthy. And then this year, started hot, had a bit of a decline, ended hot, then gets injured. It's just been a series of unfortunate events with him for injuries. And unfortunately, for a six-round pick, that can spell your demise, which, you know, Kevin's brought up, he'll be a high-priority practice squad guy. And, I do believe he clears waivers because guys like their own teams. They're not going to take a risk on an injured guy, uh, his second-year injured receiver like Hodgins, but he'll take a risk on a guy like Steven Sims who has proven he has ability coming into his third year once the second he's cut, you know? like mm-hmm. Not that Some... he – I don't think Sims was even a uh, practice squad eligible, but still I was just yeah. throwing it out there. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I get it. And, and, and someone else that – maybe we haven't talked about the possibility of this player getting cut – and, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into the fact that Taiwan Jones is a lock for this roster and maybe reading too much into Reggie Gilliam's involvement in the run game. Um, but, you know, preseason week one, Matt Burita didn't look good. Preseason week two, he definitely looked better, but that's because he was used as a pass catching back and not, you know, a running running back. Um, so just between Reggie Gilliam, Taiwan Jones, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, I just don't know if there's room to keep five running backs i know gilliam's a tight end running back hybrid but like five running backs is a lot for this team who could keep seven receivers want depth on the defensive line for their rotation want depth on the offensive line because who knows how effective deon dawkins will be and this offensive line hate to say it might not be that great you know come week one to begin with anyways um so kevin I know I was riding, I was driving, I was steering, I had the GPS up for the Matt Burita train. Um, I am now thinking that I'm going to lose the $25. I bet my friend that he would be the Bill Scrimmage Yards leader and thinking he could not be on this roster for week one. Yeah, it's possible. Like, I don't think it's far-fetched. I mean, for me, it's like, I love that Sonny Michelle. That's why I brought it up a couple times to Mark yeah. is that that's what I would hope the Bills, obviously they're not going to do the, the, the last thing they want to do is see him run down their throats, even if the Bills pay the fourth. Um, but that's the kind of deal I'm looking for. If I'm the Bills, I'm looking for a similar type of player who has a pedigree um, yeah. who the Bills can bring in. I think that's the move that I still think it's, it's, it's a move that they can make. I mean, they've had some running back injuries all season or off season. Um, you know, quite frankly, Singletary is the only one who's stays healthy and, and performed. There's a need for a running back on this team. It's not, it's not a, a, a stead lock that those three or four with Taiwan um, are the team's running backs. I think that the Bills could go out and make a move and that would probably spell the end of Matt Breda. Um I don't know that though. I mean, people seem to think love his yards, you know, per carry. They love his, you know, bounce back ability, bounce outside, you know, his ability outside the tackles, mm-hmm. some of that kind of stuff. So we'll have to see. But I think running back and tight end are still two positions that are very much in play that the Bills could upgrade. Um, I don't see it elsewhere. I mean, corners another one, but I, they just haven't been very interested in in doing anything at that point <clears> ever. So, well, yeah. now we're talking. You're talking trades corner. I've been shutting you down all off season, Kevin, <laughs> and I, and now you're sounding defeated. And I was going to bring up. I think this is the time we are finally going to be trading for a corner in these next coming weeks. You wow. look at the injury report today. You see yeah. the, the, the three of the top That's four. Been, uh, I mean, uh, it's just oh, bad. Yeah. Dane Jackson apparently just a stinger, so not out. But uh, Teron Johnson with that hand wrapped today not doing any uh, physical contact or anything then Levi Wallace I mean that's three straight practices now for him they just revealed what the injury was today could could it potentially be something I know we're still a few weeks out and we have time to let these guys rest up for sure it's just practice but it's definitely a bit concerning because if I know you don't like him but if Levi Wallace 
I mean, this I have isn't to like starting. Him yeah, you got to like him as your senior. We're, we're done. Oh, we're done. We are done. Like, we're, <laughs> I, uh, we're, we are going to have to put up 50, like, which is how I, I know our secondary is good outside of that trade day, the safeties, all that. But we, we've harped on it. We have a ton of great depth corners. We have good nickel guys and stuff. We, having that pure number two across. Like, I miss Josh Norman right now. You know, jo- Josh Norman wasn't bad last year. And not that he was great, but I felt more comfortable with, you know, a mix or, you know, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace is that one too. So could that veteran guy still be out there? We don't know what's going on with Richard Sherman after that brush up he had a month or so ago. Uh, other guys out there, they're going to be guys who are struggling in camp and stuff where teams aren't going to want to cut them, but might start throwing out flyers. I think it's that time of year. So I- I'm finally agreeing with Kevin for <laughs> once. That I for think we once. do make a move for not for the, like about the cornerback that we oh. we do make a move for corner if anything I don't see us adding a running back I think it's laughable they that like the guys Dane, right now. Dane Jackson fell off I mean it was what it was he's a seventh round pick who showed some flashes he's the team's fifth mm-hmm. corner I don't think we can expect anything more than that um, Leslie Frazier's still saying that the battle is up yeah. for grabs that's and, that's just yeah that, oh, that's it's just, and I'm not a Levi Wallace fan at all I mean and yeah, that's yeah. that's coach speak that's. That's yeah. blasphemy. Um, I yeah, think no, it's I did done. the the anchorman. I don't believe you. Gif. As soon as yeah, I saw that I come through, I think Cam Lewis has a better chance of, than I. I just think it's. I think it's done, and I think the team will make. I just don't have any faith that they they think they need to do something there. I think they're they're fairly fine with the top three, yeah, and then they'll go with it as the flow goes. But I think it's an interesting position to always monitor. I mean, they had cornerbacks there to draft, and they you know they they went different ways. I mean, yeah. it's it's a high priority off offseason position, guys. But I just don't know what they're going to do with it now. And they they trust certain players. Maybe they call Josh Norman back would make sense. So uh, it's going to be an interesting week. I think. I think it's going to be a really fun and interesting week because I didn't it expect is. these receiver injury injuries. I didn't expect some maybe movement at running back. And I certainly expected, even not being a Levi fan, I did expect a little bit more solidity under that cornerback room. And I'm ser- and I'm certainly not a Saran Neal fan, no matter what anyone tells me about how he had a great coverage but didn't make the finish. Guess what? You cannot finish a play and tell me it was good. I'm sorry. You got dunked on yeah. for a 76-yard touchdown. Not no, that's it. like there's the no, – There's no right. It's like the Patriots announcers saying, what a great throw by Mac Jones, even though the receiver didn't catch the ball and the DB got his hands on it first. It's the same thing. Like, (laughs) yeah, no, we obviously have a preseason game coming up this weekend. So we'll finish off the show because we do have what's train wreck watching. They're talking about what if episode three. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But preseason game against the Packers, a lot of things to watch unrelated to the bills. Want to say high school classmate of mine guy. I sat at lunch with Jake Dolagala is the fourth quarterback on the Packers depth chart could be playing in the stadium. He grew up going to NFL games in. Uh, you know, this Saturday. So that's a cool thing to watch. Just shout out him. Shout out St. Francis. But we got to talk Bills, obviously. That's the reason we're here. We'll go around the room, say one thing we're looking for in the preseason game, one player we're watching, maybe anything. Dealer's choice. Uh, Kevin, kick this off. Who's one player, one position group, one battle, anything? You're you're definitely playing a keen eye to this weekend. It's a tough one. I mean, because of the injuries, but I I mean, I'm continuing, continuing to watch that corner room. I mean, we talked about it. It's kind of up. We kind of went into it um, for all the reasons we just said, but I'm watching that corner room. I want to see if, if who comes out of it. Um, If, you know, if we take corner out of it, I mean, I think it's pretty, you know, pretty fun to look at those offensive skill players. So between running back receiver combo (laughs) there, what's going to come out of this and who's going to even be right. My, why I'm watching that isn't because I, you know, care about you know because i don't think the bills have a top three receivers it's because i'm curious to see who's ready week one on top of all this like who's going to be ready to go at the receiver room think the top three are ready to go think the fourth is ready in in gabe davis but the depth that they had built from five to eight is kind of gone so i'm I'm just kind of curious to see you know what happens now at least the top four are there so i'm not worried about the high end but i want to watch the skill players to see if a running back uh, move needs to be made and i'm always watching corner because i, I really it, it unlike receiver nervous. i'm worried about corner yeah <laughs> yeah no no receiver does not make us nervous whatsoever this offense no. as a whole we're confident in that we know we'll be in the top don't like to see loss of depth at receiver but not, not yeah about it mm-hmm. josh allen's the kind of guy that elevates the players around him is what we've seen so uh you know mm-hmm. definitely not worried about that he can make any receiver at least passable um meerkat what are you going to look for against the packers on saturday 
Well, I got a shout out to the Packers too. Maybe part of the reason Dolgala's over there. Shout out to Clarence High School Wall of Famer, Mark Murphy, CEO of the Green Bay Packers. Go Red Devils, baby. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I, I got my eyes peeled on safety. I've been talking about it since the first oh, week of the preseason mine. with you guys yeah. because last now year, I, I think, look opening, at the depth chart. <laughs> I think <laughs> opening day roster, we only went into last season with um, – three safeties, which is Hyde, Poyer, and Jaquan Johnson. We cut Dean Marlowe and Josh Thomas. Uh, or didn't cut Dean Marlowe. What am I saying? Wait. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did, did we start with Dean Marlowe on the seat to begin last yeah, year, the first game? Then he, got caught. Yeah. then he got caught. He got caught okay. and brought back week one. That's okay. That's that's where I'm that's where I'm mixing up. But still, so you know, they've cut three or four receivers this whole uh safeties. You know, I'm all over the place after one little mistake. And uh <laughs> the, the, their whole regime. And now we have five, you know, quality safeties. They like Jaquan Johnson, special teamer, a nice depth guy, a bit athletic. They like him, but now he hasn't done much this offseason. And you have Demar Hamlin, who you drafted, making plays. And you have Josh Thomas, who I've been in love with. He's my offseason darling. So there's no yeah. way they keep five safeties. There's going to be somebody who this team likes getting cut between those three with uh, Johnson and uh, Hamlin and Thomas. And I, I'm going to keep my eye on Thomas again. Hamlin, maybe practice squatted. Jaquan Johnson, as much as it would kill me maybe cut i don't know mm -hmm. yeah he does have the knee injury right now so that unfortunately mm -hmm. does maybe spell bad news for Jaquan johnson yeah yeah right it's that's it the, you, the healthy players make the rosters it's like we saw in the nba playoffs last year the healthy teams made it to the finals that's just how these things go sometimes it's unfortunate and the uh, bills well, put a precedent on that too guys i mean it's yeah. simple like why don't the bills have such limited minutes missed because they that's how they build their roster exactly. at some point. If you don't play like John Brown, John Brown's good. If you don't play he's a very good sorry. player, yeah. sorry, mm -hmm. we're going to try Sanders who never misses games. Mm -hmm. And speaking of missing games, the people that I'm looking at are the offensive linemen this weekend against the Packers. We could be seeing Josh Allen in it for the first part of the game. We don't know yet. Obviously, uh, we'll be talking about that more as we get that knowledge. Maybe by tomorrow night's episode of the Folding Roundtable, we will know so that we can talk about that. But I do want to see how some of these guys on the offensive line look. Cody Ford has looked all right as a guard so far in the preseason. I want to see that continue. I expect him to look good as a guard in the preseason. That's the bare minimum. I expect him to do the bare minimum. I don't give people credit for that. Um, but I'm also going to keep an eye on Tommy Doyle because I think that, you know, the, I think our tackle room could be made up of two rookies and two veterans between uh, Daryl Williams, Theon Dawkins, Spencer Brown, and Tommy Doyle. Um, you know, I and if obviously Spencer Brown has looked damn good. He he matched up against Khalil Mack. He he held his own. He held his own against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Tommy Doyle has looked decent in the limited action we've seen him. So you know, I'm excited to see that if we can if we can have the be confident in those two and axe Bobby Hart before the preseason game. Man, oh man, will I be a happy guy? I know all of Bills Mafia uh, will be too, but. That'll be it for us here today on the Crowd Assist Podcast. We will be back, Kevin Meerkat and myself, tomorrow night on the folding roundtable. We will announce the roster for that uh, later tonight. Won't tease it, but half of the New York Upstate crew is going to join, whether it's Preen or Talbot. I'll let you guys figure that out later. Um, but stay tuned for what's Trainwreck watching. Thank you to Mark Schofield. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Meerkat. And thank you all of our listeners, Picassos and Outlet Liquor. Good night. <laughs>